You can listen to The Professional Left on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There's a PayPal button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. This is the podcast for June 3rd, 2016. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from just outside the RNC Minority Staffer Resignation Underground Railroad, it's the professional left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. The serious drinking has started at the Republican National Committee. Ryan's Priebus is having a real bad day. This is Thursday, by the way. We're recording this on Thursday, Thursday night. Thursday. Thursday night, and uh, today, the head of Hispanic media, Hispanic media Relations at the Republican National Committee yes. resigned to go work for a super PAC that's working on congressional races because <laughs> Donald Trump. Because cause she doesn't want to work for the racist asshole who's at the top right. of her party's ticket. But what's what I didn't know until today, and I just, I don't know why I just had passed over it in my mind, but within the past 30 days... The Republican National Committee has also lost its director of African-American outreach and its communications director of black media. They both quit well, and gone to work for somebody else. So, so I'm looking through Monster.com now because I figure I can do all of those jobs just as well. All three? <laughs> yeah, it's true, actually. I, I, I really... I really should apply for those jobs because <laughs> as a white guy, a middle-aged white guy <laughs> who, who, who speaks high school Spanish or used to. So yeah, that's the perfect job for me. This has been a really interesting month for news. I don't mean, the, I, I don't yeah. mean June. I mean the last 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an occasion blue gal to go through my archives today and ran across a post I ran in 2005 uh-huh. in which I talked about the closed door lie. You were telling me about this. Yeah. This was fascinating that yeah. there is such a thing as a closed door lie. Go ahead and tell the story of this. This yeah. stuff is really cool. The people of the closed door lie yeah. are running one of our political parties right yeah, now. They really yeah. are. The closed door lie is the is the most insulting lie of all. Once upon a time, I worked for an insurance company that doesn't exist anymore. I worked for a deeply incompetent woman. She liked to give orders. And so she published a very clear directive. She told all of us uh, middle managers and programmers that we're going to do things this way. And we did. Uh, some, some of us said, this seems like a really bad idea. And she said, shut up. You know, I'm the boss. Because she was very stupid. And stupid people who are in positions of authority are mm-hmm. not good at raising their hand and saying, look, I need your help. They usually assert themselves by being ever more assholish. Until- I was going to say, this sounds really familiar, yeah. like something that Ryan Priebus has had to deal yeah. with this week. Yeah, okay. This is, this is something that lots of people have been through. Having an asshole mm-hmm. boss is not unique <laughs> in any, in any, uh, to any of us. So, right. But this woman was really, really clear about this really, really stupid directive she gave us. And uh, it all went. It all blew up in her face. It was a terrible idea. And she took me into her office and closed the door and wanted to know why I did it that way. Yeah. She said, because you told us to. And she said, no, I didn't. And proceeded to just lie her ass off. And this, her boss wasn't sitting there. No one else no. was in the room but the two of you. That's the creepy part. The creepy part yeah. wasn't that she lied to me because she was an incompetent person who had uh, sleazed and in that last jump, slept her way to her position, which, uh-huh. again, incompetent people being positions of authority is nothing rare in corporate America, right, uh, right. irrespective of gender. Um, yep. But she closed the door. 
And I'm, yep. I, I literally remember looking around going, who are you lying to? There's only mm-hmm. two people in this office. Both of us know the truth. You are the person who issued their directive. I'm the one who said it was a bad idea. Now you're in here asking me why I did what you ordered me to do and lying about it. And there's and no she, what she's doing is playing a power game with you, right, but there's which no, is there's no audience. You're going to cover for me and take the blame for this. Yeah. But but she can't say that because then you've got her. Well, there's, but, no, there's no audience here. There's no audience. Yeah. There's no one to lie in front she's of. She's playing mind tricks with you. Yeah. She is playing a mind trick on you. Well, yeah. she was if yeah. if she were 70 percent smarter, I would believe that. Yeah. But right. she just yeah. was one of those people that had to not be to at fault for anything ever. Right. So she sat in a room with me and lied to my face in a closed room. Mm -hmm. And both of us knew the truth. And and this is where it's so odd being a liberal. Uh, In a sense, it's very liberating. In a sense, it's incredibly frustrating and entertaining at the same time. But it's sitting outside the political system you know, again, where we've been cast out, watching everyone, Michael Gerson, these are all people who write for a living or pundit for a living or opine for a living. Michael Gerson, former speechwriter for George W. Bush, uh, Kathleen Parker, longtime political commentator, Peggy Noonan. These are all people you've heard us talk about before. Bill Crystal, David Brooks. It's a very, very long list. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, all the people you see on the Sunday morning shows. All the people you see, half the people you see at MSNBC, now that they have a brand new um, policy of hiring uh, corrupt conservative assholes and you know, so for both sides. But everyone knows what the story is. The story yeah. is the Republican Party has at its base a bunch of bigots and imbeciles who've been dumbed down and angried up by Fox News and hate radio for 25 years. And they are now so pliable and so angry and so racist and so completely detached from reality that they will happily vote for an obvious fraud, con artist, fascist like Donald Trump because he does exactly for them what Fox News and hate radio does for them, tells them what they want to hear. And if what they want to hear today disagrees with yesterday, well, yesterday doesn't count because right. blah, 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 because I'm a Tea Party member now. I'm an independent now. I'm right. not a conservative. I'm not a Republican. Lying about the past is just, lying, is just more lies. Everyone knows that's what the truth is, but yep. no one can say it. And that's the thing. It's, it, this, is, this is a giant closed door lie. And and I have to say, um, this is a very different podcast than we would have done yesterday. Yes. Because we learned this afternoon that we actually do have a candidate who is competent at calling this out. And Hillary Clinton's speech this afternoon uh, really knocked it out of the park. It did. Uh, and very, very few people reacted to it in, a, in any kind of a negative way. Yeah. Uh, she illustrated... Um, that to me, what I listened to the whole thing and, and what she, what she did, first of all, was she illustrated her ability to, with humor and, uh, force at the same time Mm -hmm. to use both of those characteristics at the same time, really forcefully say no to this douchebag who is incompetent and mentally unstable. And she said, I'll leave it to psychiatrists to figure out, you know, what the appeal of despots or or yeah, why does he love despots so much why, why does he, he yeah why does he love uh dictators and so forth tyrants i think was a word mm-hmm. she used um and and she was funny and she was forceful but to me what she, what she illustrated um and and clearly i'm giving this a rave review but yeah. Uh, to me, what she illustrated was what she has learned since 2008. Gone is the you need a three o'clock in the morning person. You know, these it wasn't it wasn't stupid boomer rhetoric. It was this is America right. and this is what we stand for. 
And it's not going to be, you know, there's no Celine Dion song here. <laughs> there's no, you know, none of the bullshit that she had in 2008 no. that was just off. All that's been stripped out. Stripped out. And what you have, and, and the other thing that's gone, I think, and we'll, time will tell if this continues to unfold, is I think she learned a lot from Barack Obama. Yeah. I think she learned a lot about governing from him, and I think she learned a lot about diplomacy from him uh-huh. and and how you get what you want internationally. Yep. And uh, I'm not going to tell anyone, any of my liberal friends, that she's not a hawk anymore. I don't – I cannot make that statement. Nope. However, I do think she has learned the power that comes from diplomacy mm-hmm. and that that is in her arsenal in a way that it wasn't eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm just going to say that. And and this speech today illustrated that. And so and she needs to look, make a speech like over, this every week yeah. for the next yep, six absolutely. months and call him Donald. Uh-huh. Doesn't have to put a nickname in front of nope. it because he's done that already. She doesn't have to be cute about it. Uh, she can just call him Donald and say, uh, here's what he said this week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? and, absolutely right. And this makes him unqualified to be commander in chief. And she has an infinite arsenal yep. of yep. of stuff on Trump going back decades. To just that That is what makes it so easy. I had this uh, interaction with... Um, a person on Twitter and I don't always have time or take time to um, troll back at trolls. But in this case I did, Uh, this person was, was saying something to the effect of, well, you know, it really doesn't matter about Donald Trump's uh, tax returns because we'll never see Hillary's emails. And I said, no, but you know what? Maybe we can see Donald Trump's emails. I'll bet they're full of horse porn. (laughs) I'll bet there's so much of the classiest porno coming out of that. You know, I just went full blast of classy porno, the best porno. I'll bet it's really, really porno. I have all the best horse porn. All the best best horse porno from my friend, my very, very good friend, Carl Palladino. And she came back to me and said, you're a foul mouth. (laughs) Again, tone police. You know what? You know what I hate about college liberals is how. No, they... I wanted. I should have taken a, a webcam picture of my vituperative foul mouth blogger of the left coffee mug yeah. that I designed myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're microaggressing me. That's what she's really saying. And she said, "You're a, you're a foul mouth," and I don't see how we got off on this tangent. And and I came back, and here, all I could do at that point was come back and say, "Yeah." But your candidate talked about the farting habits of his three wives on live radio. So you win. <laughs> yeah. Well, because that's all you have to do. I mean, at this point, there's, there is anything that someone comes back at you with. You can say, yeah, but you win because your candidate thinks that Japan should have nuclear weapons. Well, And this is this is where you and I. Uh, respectfully part company. We do, because I'm too nice? No, because you're arguing with a robot. Oh, I know. You're arguing I know. With, as I said before, you're arguing with Hal over pod bay doors. Exactly. They're exactly. hard. They're never going to admit they're wrong. They're going oh, no, to... and I wasn't trying to convince her of anything. I was just having fun on Twitter right. and entertaining oh, my followers. I know. <laughs> but for those of you out there in the larger, you know, multiverse, yeah. trust me, you're wasting your time. Yeah. They have yeah. A, a set packet of pre-programmed answers to any mm-hmm. bottle you have that comes down to tone, or both sides do it, or Benghazi, 
or I'm not a Republican, I'm an independent. And, and they, they, they have a bunch of lies on the one side of their brain and alibis on the other. And there's, all the, there's nothing else upstairs. There's nothing else, literally nothing else in their political brain but a pile of bullshit on one side that's being fed to them every day and a pile of alibis for when they get caught. And and and, and the media does too. And like no... you say, they have both sides. Sure. They have uh, but the Democrats. And let me add a very late-breaking one from an hour ago. Yes. You're going to love this, and it's totally on topic. Anderson Cooper 360 uh-huh. tweeted. One of the most obscure sex positions out there, by the way. <laughs> I'd never tried it myself. Right. I... you got to stop launching these jokes on me that I haven't heard before because I laugh too much at the, at the podcast. You have a beautiful you know. laugh. You go right ahead. Nobody listens <laughs> to this podcast. Hour... <laughs> that, that's not true. No, it's not true. People shake their phones on Friday afternoon yeah. and... Where's the podcast? Where's the goddamn podcast? Anyway, I'm sorry. I interrupted. I apologize. Anderson Cooper at AC360 an hour ago. You're this is gonna you're gonna find this entertaining. Yes. Tweeted Clinton bashes Trump in a blistering foreign policy speech. Was it too much too soon? Was it? Was it? <laughs> huh? I think you're confusing. Uh, <laughs> was it premature? <laughs> Did she not pull out it in time? You, <laughs> your your man metaphors, baby. You're thinking man <laughs> metaphors. <laughs> Women can go all night long. That's right. That's what he's he's missing. He's missing he's missing out on all that. And and the reaction from women on Twitter to this tweet is hilarious. It's Riot Women at Riot Women says it's really interesting to watch the entertainment journalists in the U.S. fail to vet Trump and then complain when Hillary does their job. Yeah, yeah. another American job lost to a chick. <laughs> Can we go back to Donald Trump for just a minute? I don't want to make our, all of our podcasts sure. all the time about Donald Trump. I know that's that's something that happens mm-hmm. uh, in this environment. Mm-hmm. But I'm noticing a pattern that a couple of other people have pointed out to me of um, try, tr- him trying to control uh, the dialogue that's going on or the because he is a master of reality TV mm-hmm. uh, to sort of try to control the the tone of the day or the story of the day, even if it means he's going to do something outrageous. So, for instance, he has the Trump University case come up. Right. So he goes and does a press conference about the veterans. Right. right? Sure. So that that sort of moves the the case off the front page, except that then the media asks him about it. And that's why he gets mad, because he, the purpose of that press conference was so we wouldn't be talking about the court case. And that's why, you know, you're you're sleazy. Right. You're so then person. it becomes about sleazy. You're very sleazy then nasty the, day becomes, the day becomes about sleazy. Then <laughs> today, uh, Hillary gives a speech. One of the things that was really interesting was he sent one tweet out. Right. And then Hillary, during her speech, mentions that Donald is probably tweeting about this right now. And he stops. And there are no more tweets from him about it from the moment that she says he's probably tweeting about this right now. Uh, She called him out and it worked. Then uh, he is still he started attacking the judge this afternoon again in the Trump University case. And uh, someone uh, one of my colleagues pointed out. Yeah, he's doing that to change the subject from Hillary's speech. Good luck with that. And I said, yeah, but he did the press conference to distract from the court case. And now he's going back to the court case to distract from Hillary's speech. Does that mean he's going to talk about the veterans tomorrow? Oh, look. Because all of it is cancer. 
got yeah. you've got a tumor here. You've got another one metastasizing on your lungs. You've got one on your knee. You've got another one in your brain. Mm-hmm. And oh no, my knee is the problem. <laughs> today right yeah. and then you look up it's and all cancer buddy it's all cancer and you look up and he's literally waving his dick around right because <laughs> that'll distract people from this the other horribles well you, you know there's yeah. no there's no virtue in thinking two minutes ahead no because no well that is he is always in the now you were right closing about that. Yeah. the deal right now and he yep. is totally going to win the election of president of the southern clansmen of america oh Just, i've already pre- that is my prediction is that he will win the same states that George Wallace won yeah. in 1968 because those folks don't believe in evolution. Right. Again, this is why our pundit class, our journalism, by and large, our journalists completely fail us mm-hmm. uh, because they continue they continue to conflate the base of the Republican Party with the electorate, with mm-hmm. America. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And well, you know, the, the, he, people tried to bring Donald Trump down in his own party. It didn't work. He's got this magic. He's Teflon. No, he's not Teflon. He was running for being the biggest asshole in the asshole party. Mm-hmm. And everyone was afraid to lay a glove on him because they want the asshole vote. Right. And if you, right. you know, this right. is why Ted Cruz stayed behind him the entire time, because yeah. eventually yeah. he'll drop out and I'll get all the bigots. Yay, yeah, I'll win. Right, and what they right, what do they all right. know? They all knew for a fact that the bigot vote is the big vote inside the that Republican in, Party. In the Republican primaries, it is. You so, can't offend the bigots. You can't say, oh, no, Donald Trump, you're wrong. Uh, Barack Obama is not a bad president. Right. You know, you can't go that route. He's the right? worst president ever, and he sucks, yeah. and he's awful, and I'll give nukes to everybody, and we'll just, we're going to bomb NATO, and we're going to take the oil. Right, we're gonna, right, and you know right. what? The the meatheads, If again, if you're still a Republican in 2016, you are a fucking meathead or you're Mm -hmm. in on the scam. There's really no third category for you to be in. So Donald Trump knows having listened to Drudge and Hannity and soaked all this bullshit, you know, word salad gibberish up over the years. He knows what the meatheads want to hear and he just tells them what they want to hear. And if it, again, if it conflicts with what he said two minutes ago, who the fuck cares? They don't care. They're happy. As long as they have a big raging hard on to kill somebody and to blame mm-hmm. Barack Obama for everything. And Hillary's a bitch, and liberals are awful. As long as that is boiling in their blood, they're happy as shit. They don't care what country you invade. If they gave a shit about deficits, they never would have elected George Bush a second time. So they don't really care about any of this shit. They just have this deep lizard brain that has to be kept amped up all the time. Donald Trump's really good at that. But now he's he, he doesn't know when to stop. There are no more asshole right-wing Jagoffs to bring into the process. Now you're out in the open field. <laughs> now you're out with the rest of the people, 50% of whom have no idea there's election going on at all because they have they're completely checked out of the political process. And then everyone else who every time you take your dick out and wave it around is horrified. And you know, again, this is not an argument to convert the Coulters of the world. Right. This is an argument right. to humiliate the Brookses of the world, to get them right. fired. Yep. My goal yep. is to get Michael Gerson fired, to get Michael Gerson in a place in front of a microphone where he has to admit, you know what? I worked for these people. I built this shit. And the only honorable thing for me to do is to admit liberals are right all along and I quit. Now, that's never going to happen. But that's where the that's where the battlefield is. That's not over. Oh, my God. Look at this outrageous bullshit Donald Trump did today. Of course he did today. Of course, that's who he is. Mm-hmm. The real question is, when is the media 
going to start saying that the reason Donald Trump is was successful in the GOP primary is because the Republican based voter is basically a pretty despicable person, a yeah, pretty bad no. person. And again, they're never going to say never that. Gonna say that. No, this is no. why I don't know if you all know this, but MSNBC, the former liberal bastion, has a new advertising strategy. <laughs> we both wrote about this this week. Yes, we did. And, and no kidding. No kidding. It's uh, people are going to think we've moved too far to the right. right. That is literally their ad. And they have that a- is literally literally their ad, including it has Hugh Hewitt's picture on it. Yes. Hugh Hewitt and Michael Steele. Crime against uh, humanity to put Hugh Hewitt's picture and think that's going to get people to watch your show. Yeah, they didn't put um, Ann Coulter on there. I noticed. No, I noticed that, too. They, they didn't put um, um, any of the other people. I have a whole long post written about it. But this is literally the nobody ever went broke underestimating the intelligence of conservatives. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. ooh, ooh, some of our favorite assholes are now on MSNBC. Let's go watch them over there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, so li- liberal media doesn't exist anymore outside of podcasts and a couple of people. A couple, couple, couple of blogs. A couple of blogs that we try to keep going. Paul Krugman occasionally. Um, I was still, I was going to go try to find out if Hugh Hewitt has his, his conservative cruise scheduled for after the election because – I don't think he's planning on being on the Trump transition team. You know, they're all betting. All of them are betting that Trump loses. Yeah. And they're betting it. I mean, I am sure, I am sure that uh, Michelle Malkin is outlining a book about how awful President Hillary Clinton is yeah. for publication in April of next year. Yeah. She did that with Obama. Mm-hmm. You know, he hadn't been in office 100 days yet, and she had a book out about how uh, the Obama administration was lacking in transparency. The failed Obama administration. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and, of course, they're going to do the and same they, And that she had to have signed the contract for that book before the election. I mean, there's just there's just no way. So they're all planning on. The cash cow that comes from milking the rubes as soon as, you know, Shillery or Killery or whatever you're going to call her mm-hmm. is is elected president. And at, at what point does the gas run out on that jalopy? I don't know, but they're going to push it Never. across the finish Never. line. This, yeah. is what, well, Paul, this is also the week that Paul Ryan capitulated. We want to talk a little bit about yeah. that. Yep. Because what what does it matter? Please clap. Yeah. I keep thinking of Jeff. I'm going to vote for Trump. Please clap. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and what does it matter? Paul Ryan yeah. is not interested in, do, in being anything other than the best the best boy inside the Republican Party. Yeah. The smartest yeah. kid in the Republican class. And But did you know that two hours before he announced that he was voting for Trump, mm-hmm. he held a um, anti-Islamic hate meeting? Sure. To, to uh, unite with our Islamic Republican friends. Yes, all four and- of them. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. He did. He had a meeting about our Islamic Republican yep. friends and how we all ought to unite behind them and know that they're uh, good patriotic Americans. And then he said he's voting for Trump. So, well, you know. And this is what they all have in their back pocket. This is where all the good liberals out there have a responsibility. Whatever mm-hmm. you can do about this um, is appreciated. What Paul Ryan knows and what the entire pundit class knows is that once Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders is elected president of the United States, um, all of this will be forgotten. Oh, yeah. The great unremembering will happen once again, just like happened. Donald Trump will never have existed as a candidate for Republican. And you and, and yep. to quote Don Draper um, to Peggy, you will be mm-hmm. amazed at how much this didn't happen. Uh huh. 
Uh-huh. Except you know yeah. who won't be amazed? You won't be blue gal. I won't be. No, and no liberal because we've seen this before. <laughs> we've seen Republicans take the most ridiculous, destructive, outrageous, flagrantly ludicrous um, positions. We've seen them start lies into the wrong war, bankrupt the government, uh, lose entire American cities, uh, obstruct a president of the United States, conduct the business of government as a mm-hmm. fish hunt, uh, as as a as yep. witch hunt against. Yeah. Uh, uh, presidents uh, rumor that Barack Obama was never born here, that, mm-hmm. that he's going to come for your guns. And when mm-hmm. none of that turned out to be true, the Republican establishment, along with the media, agreed to agree, always agrees to pretend it never happened. Right. Right. But, well, there's there's one thing that is going to throw a wrench into that plan, uh-huh. and that's Donald Trump. One of one of the things I've been noticing is there is a civil war Uh-huh. Uh, between Judicial Watch, who is uh, filing all of these Freedom of Information Act requests to get Hillary's emails on Benghazi. That's what they want. But it's just nuisance suits. I mean, it's just to make it so that Hillary's emails is always in the news. That's their goal. So um, Judicial Watch by the way, is funded. I know Richard Mellon Schaefe is dead, Uh but two of his foundations fund Judicial Watch. So he is harassing Hillary from the grave, even though, you know, Bill Clinton spoke at his funeral, by the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they became friends when when Bill Clinton became a philanthropist. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But Judicial Watch is having a fight with Trey Gowdy's committee because someone is going to need to take the blame when Hillary's elected president. Right. And. Trey Gowdy has to defend $17 million of taxpayer money spent, and it didn't prevent Hillary from getting elected. In fact, it helped her get elected. It helped her get elected. Mm -hmm. And Judicial Watch is going to have to defend, we filed all these lawsuits, and it didn't work. And I think you're going to see Trump is clearly setting up the RNC to to make it their fault that Trump didn't win. Mm Mm-hmm. And vice versa. One of the things that's happening now, I noticed this on Twitter the other day. I don't know what I was searching for, but I came across it and I went and looked for the hashtag and it's a real thing. There is a movement on Twitter and it sounds just like Trump University to get everyone who's for Trump to donate $125 on June 7th. And they're going to do a money bomb for Trump to raise a billion dollars for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Do you know what it says on every single one of these tweets? Uh -uh. Do not give to RNC. Really? Yep. They can't be trusted. Absolutely. The purpose of this is to free Donald from the the terrible, uh, painful rope that the RNC wants to tie around him. Well, you know, we have to let, we have to free Donald up to let Donald be Donald. The problem with the RNC is they're not conservative enough. See? That's the problem. And, Absolutely. And if we get and so don't give the money to the RNC, give it to the provost of Trump University. Yeah, That's well, exactly. Them. Go to Trump's website and donate $125. He won't cave to the RNC. Mm-hmm. Says Texas loves no BS Trump. <laughs> And, and if I let me tell, give you a prediction that will never happen, okay, but could happen. Uh-huh. It is possible. This is something that Barack Obama could have done and never did. And and mm-hmm. one of the the thing I really fault him for more than anything else in embracing Donald Trump um, and, and ex, the base exposing itself again. I don't have to argue with anybody anymore. All I have to do is say, say I told you so. Um, in in embracing Donald Trump and then all of the elite circles capitulating to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, they've all tied their boats to him, yeah. whether they want to admit it or not. Now they can; they'll be untying them as fast as they possibly can once he, you know, 
cracks at the keel and goes down. But you're mm -hmm. right, he's not going going away. Right, right. But if the Clinton campaign really wanted to, and they were willing to spend the money, they could yeah. destroy the Republican Party. Oh, well, they could bankrupt the, the RNC. No, I don't, I don't mean bankrupt. Yeah. I mean, they could burn the Republican Party to the ground. Huh. They could make this a campaign about the Republican voter. The, the brand, yeah, voter. yeah, yeah. The problem with the Republican Party is not this orange-haired fascist. The problem with the Republican Party, and they start flashing pictures about Morans. Right, and the woman right, with the right. Hitler. The problem right. with the party is, and you flash Rupert Murdoch's face and mm -hmm. Roger Ailes' face and Rush mm -hmm. Limbaugh's face, is that these yeah. people run the Republican Party and they have destroyed a great institution that yeah. brought us Nixon, ha, 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 brought us Lincoln and Eisenhower. The Republican Party. And wouldn't party, Ronald Reagan be weeping right now for his party? Yes, She yes. can go right over Donald Trump's head. Yeah. The, the, the Democratic Party, the Democratic establishment could go right over their head and say, and, and do, again, once again, what the media won't do is, is simply yeah. report the problem with our politics is that one of our parties is so deeply bent and corrupt mm -hmm. and broken that mm -hmm. we cannot function as democracy until we get rid of it and replace it with something that works. Yep. Republican Party is the problem. That's well, it may be mm -hmm. that Gary Johnson and Bill Well do that. I, that'd be great. Except they're not, you know, to. they're going to go both sides. Yeah, they kind of are. Yeah. They're. They are they are two of the tiredest old white guys yeah. I've ever seen. I will say I I admired Charlie Pierce's post about Bill, Bill Weld. I do too. Well, uh, and I, you know I like Bill Weld. And Bill Weld's uh, quite um, with with a great deal of candor and and a lot of character um, stood up for Hillary Clinton this week and said uh, that this is a nut he didn't use the word nothing burger. I know that's a Charlie Pierce word, but he said, I'm not buying that Hillary Clinton's going to be indicted. There's no evidence of criminal intent. And he was very clear about that. And he said, I'm, and he was, he headed up yeah. the criminal division of the justice department of the United States of America. Yeah. And he says, I can, t I would be the one that was prosecuting her if, if I was still in that job, there's no criminal intent. There's no case to prosecute her for her emails. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. And I think Chuck Todd weeped a little no. <laughs> when he said that. Yeah. Well, there... you know, Not that Chuck Todd doesn't have any legal experts over at N NBC that probably could have told you that, but that's not allowed to be part of the narrative of the, of the campaign season. Well, me... Truth is not allowed give, in that. Let me give you another you know. example. This is where, yeah. really, I'm not kidding, if the Democratic Party were agile enough, yeah. um, they could uh, at um, our uh, church mm -hmm. this last week. Um, we were walking out when a former governor of Illinois was walking in. Oh, I wasn't there. Yeah. Middle child was with you. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I said, oh, that's Governor Edgar. And she she uh -huh. went, uh, she rolled her eyes at me like, what are you talking about? I said, no, that's Jim Edgar. That's white. And, she, and he's a former governor of he's an Illinois. Honest. And, and I disagree with many of his policies, but you can't. He was an, he was an honorable, straight shooting, kind of boring, middle of the road, uh, green eye shades Republican. He didn't mm -hmm. go to jail. He didn't. There were no there were there were no personal scandals attended. To but him. there was always a budget. Yeah, when he a, was well, governor every year, there was, there was a budget. There was a budget yeah. every year going back, you know, 180 years. So but yeah, yeah. Um, not this year, but. Whatever you think of Jim Edgar, he's not, you know, Trey Gowdy. He's no, not insane. He's not. he's not Sam Brownback. He's not nuts. Yep. And there yep. are a number of Bill Weld and Jim Edgar Republicans yep. out there. Yep. Yeah. You could take quietly aside and say, look, yep. you know, your party is fucked up and you know it. Yep. 
And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, like Johnson told Dirksen, I'm telling you, like a friend, I'm telling you, as, yeah. as a co-equal who's yeah. been through the wars, you have got to get your fucking house in order. Yeah. And the only yeah. way to do that is to drive the monsters out of the temple. Yeah. And and I, I, you can either stand aside or you can join a libertarian party. But it's high time that people who are out of the process, who aren't worrying about being elected or anything else, start showing up at rallies with Democrats who are running for office saying, look, mm -hmm. in any other year, I would never back so-and-so. I would never vote right. for Hillary. And, I'm, yeah. and I might just sit this one out. But my party is so broken, is yeah. so destroyed, is so corrupted that I cannot sit idly on the, on the sidelines anymore and hope it goes away. Because you know yeah. what? It's only getting worse. Yeah. And if you yeah. can't look at Donald Trump and see a fascist looking back at you, then you are the goddamn problem. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you can you really could. And, and well, and also to to point, as you say, to point at the idiots mm -hmm. who are really all in for him. Yep. And and how and and I'm sorry to say that about my fellow Americans. I think that's something you and I have talked about. Is one of the things that is just so horrifying is this is my country right. and this is 35 to 40 percent of my, of the voters mm -hmm. in my democracy who think you know <laughs> who are stupid enough to think that if they go on Twitter and shout out as this person Bella Jane does to the 11.5 million people who voted for Trump. And all we need is eight million of you to give one hundred and twenty-five dollars each, mm -hmm. which is, by the way, a seventy percent return <laughs> on your fundraising on your fundraising tweet. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, you don't get margins like that just anywhere, blue gal. She's talking to all eleven point five million of them sure. by sending out a Twitter to her one thousand eight hundred and seventy followers. The the reason the last. I'm sorry to cut you off. I don't mean to do that. Oh, go ahead, but, because I'm done. But yeah. the reason the last 30 days or so, the last couple of weeks have been weird, um, was first me having to explain to middle child that no, not every Republican governor is corrupt. And not every Illinois governor goes to jail. Well, and that's the future, though. That's what's that's what's got to really fr send Reince Priebus back to his bar, uh -huh. which is that these are the formative memories of the Republican Party uh -huh. for millions and millions of people under the age of 25. This is what they are going to remember for the rest of their lives uh -huh. about the Republican Party. And you have ruined it. You have absolutely salted the earth forever. My, our kids look at the Republican Party just on the gay issue, yep. okay? Nothing else. Right. Gay bathroom issue, period, right? Mm -hmm. if, it, if, not, if they did nothing else wrong, that to my daughter, who, you know, already has in her calendar next year's Pride Parade, right. because her, she and her friends had an awesome time this year, mm -hmm. this, that to, to them is a crime beyond forgiveness forever. Yep. You were not there when we wanted gay marriage legalized. You were against it. You tried to stop it. And then you muddied the waters further with stupid bathroom bills and fear tactics and pretending that Christianity was a part of it. She's done. And that's why she looks at Jim Edgar and she hears the word Republican and thinks, oh, no, that's never going to happen for me. And I, as a good... He's one of them. I, you as know. a good liberal... Yeah. explain to her, no, he's a pretty nice guy. Yeah. And he lives around here and he really takes an interest in his community. And I would I would say the same thing to all my kids about Bill Weld. Yeah. I saw him at the Brattle Bookstore when I lived in Boston, the Boston area. And I was, uh, he was a former governor then. He was not governor. 
but uh, he's walking around Cambridge, and he's from a Brahmin family and yeah. makes jokes about that. And and uh, he's not unintelligent, and he's not insane. Right. Now, much of his party is insane. And, and let's be very clear about this. <laughs> yeah, you know. There, yeah. there is a political dynamic. We, we say this all the time. We miss debating sane Republicans. Yeah, It is absolutely. okay to disagree about what the marginal tax rate should be. Sure. It is okay sure. to disagree over whether or not you think college should be free or whether or not you think college should be uh, inexpensive <laughs> or whether or not you think the free market should solve it. Um, right. It, right. It is fine to hold those opinions. Mm-hmm. And actually, really good government happens yes. when, those, when those two forces sanely and intelligently work against each other yes. to try to figure out the best way forward. But that can't happen. Right. And I'm and I'm believe me, I'm arguing for the health of the Republican Party, which is a Absolutely. weird thing for me to argue about. Yeah. But yeah. right now it is a rabid animal that's that's destroying everything in its path. It has mm-hmm. to be put down. And mm-hmm. the only people who could We're do- not gonna talk gorillas on this podcast. Forget it. No. We're not going there. Ain't going there. <laughs> that's already that's that's the that's the balloon boy <laughs> yes, of, right. of this summer season. And uh, yes, it is. no, it does yeah. not interest me in the slightest other than the fact that it's very sad. Yep. The Upshot being that you can't have any conversation that's sane and healthy and passionate where you disagree with each other because that's what fucking politics is. You disagree with each other all the time. You can't have those grown-up conversations as long as one of our two major political parties is run by and for lunatics who believe crazy things. Mm-hmm. And that until we get that out of the way, nothing else happens. And until yeah. we acknowledge that this – this is actually happening. Yeah. Nothing is going to happen. So the media is broken because it won't talk about it. And the Republican mm-hmm. Party is broken because it can get away with murder because the, the media won't talk about it. Right. And it is time. Right. It's high time to start looking, you know, through your old Rolodexes for the retired Republicans, the one who's ones who have just sort of faded away. Mm hmm. And and say, look, it's time for you to get back in here and yeah. put a boot up these people's ass. Yeah. And we're still going yeah. to disagree with each other. We're still going to vote against each other. We're still going to talk smack about each other during election. I'm going to run against you and try to beat you, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to turn you into a monster. I'm not going to say that you're trying to steal my guns and you hate my country and you're a traitor because you disagree with me. We have to stop the Republican Party from being crazy anymore. Well, Bill Crystal has a third party candidate, Driftglass. Well, that's going to fix everything. This is what's so interesting about the last... (laughs) few weeks. Yeah. Everything's up in yeah. the air. I mean, we what did we learn in the last couple of weeks? Salon really does suck. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really is a shithole. It really is an absolute shithole. If you think, you know, I know you've been imagining it, not imagining it. Salon really does suck. The Libertarian Convention, for God's sakes, was was headline news. Who the yeah. hell could have predicted that two years ago? The goddamn Libertarian Convention was serious news carried on. And I think that's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing. And you know what was interesting about we, when we we realized we were out together that day? I think it was Saturday. Mm-hmm. And we said, we got to go home and turn on C-SPAN. I don't think we've no. said that to each other no. in many a moon. But we've got to go home and turn on C-SPAN. We turned on C-SPAN. And it was remarkable to realize that they were really following Robert's Rules of Order. Yep. Yep. And they have some real Robert's Rules of Order nerds in that group yes, they would, who do nothing they? but study parliamentary process, right? But boy, couldn't they have used a few of those guys in Nevada? 
right? Oh, yeah. Point of order, we need enough chairs for everybody. Yeah. You know, and we're not proceeding. I, I move for a suspension of the rules until we have enough chairs for everybody. Would have helped a lot, it right? It, it, it yeah. just, it was refreshing to see mm -hmm. libertarians talk in complete sentences and not just the craziest stripper stuff. Yeah. Uh, flipped on the news. Can you believe this guy? You got undressed and danced around, and and it was the it was the Chris Farley skit from Saturday Night Live. Yes, it was. Um, but to hear them talk and and realize, holy shit! Well, first of all, I think libertarianism is a hilarious idea factory. Yeah, it is absolutely not a governing philosophy that any that comports with human nature uh, as, as humans as a social animal, humans as a political animal, humans as. Mm -hmm. We actually exist. On paper, it's delightful, and 20-year-olds can enjoy pretending that it works, but it doesn't work. But as an idea mm -hmm. factory, it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. But watching Republicans sort of trying to land their big, dumb plane on mm -hmm. this runway that absolutely doesn't fit them at all. Yeah, um, yeah. Is is hilarious. They're just so desperate for someplace to park their dick uh, yep. that isn't Donald Trump, and I don't want to vote for Hillary. So well, and let's face it, uh, Gary Johnson has for a lot of the libertarians at that convention is a lino. Yeah. You know, he's a libertarian in name yes. only. Bill Weld was, is not a true libertarian yeah. in their mind, and just the fact that he says, "Oh yeah, I would have signed the '64 Civil Rights Act," uh -huh. got him booed. <laughs> But the you know the, the party that doesn't taxation is theft. Yeah, taxation <laughs> is theft. <laughs> but, but the party that that doesn't believe in science. Yeah, uh, right, right. The party that has a, a major component. I, I'm, I realize I'm rambling now, so let me just uh, let me just. No, dial but you're in. talking about the Republican Party that is that is clearly in a science denial mode. Republican right? Party that is is addicted to evangelical conservative right wing thinking on a lot of yep. levels. Mm -hmm. Trying to fit itself into a into a party that worships Ayn Rand, yep. who has said yep. on multiple occasions, religion is every bit as toxic and awful and destructive, and I mean all religion, as Stalinism. Mm -hmm. Yep. That yeah. fifty percent of the problems with this world are caused by religion, and people who people who are religious people are every bit as bad as communists. There is yep. no way to make these two things fit together, except Paul Ryan tries to do it all the time at Rand Paul. Well, but you cannot you cannot wedge together a love for Jesus Christ and Republican economic no. policy anyway either. No. And you know, the the disconnect is constant in the Republican Party over that. You're listening to the Professional Left Podcast, professionalleft.blogspot.com. See, here's the problem. We're not selling it right, baby. See, I've read some of the excerpts from the Trump University training manual. And let me tell you, the 30 pages or whatever it was of the emotional state of the person you're talking to. Yeah. The graphs right. of each. Here are the first, here's the first five minutes. And here's, the, here's what that emotional process is called. Here's how yeah. handle it. Here's the second yeah. three minutes. Here's the, here's the and, and it's literally how to use neuro-linguistic programming or language or yeah. whatever, yeah. emotionally blackmail and terrify and cajole and wheedle. People who have already lost everything yep. in the recession. To give you their money. In order to save themselves. And one of the yeah. Trump University uh, uh, people who testified or, or, or had testimony or, or part of yep. the suit said, look, I was a salesperson and mm -hmm. I was dealing with a couple who were like on disability yeah. and they 
just didn't have the money for the platinum one. And yeah. I felt like, yeah. you know what? I'm not going to push you all the way in there. And they send in like another salesperson to close these people. And he got wow. into trouble for not – it's – I swear to you, this is just – all you got to do to understand Trump University and the mindset of that is run the mm-hmm. first 10 minutes of Glen Gary, Glenn Ross. Right. That's all right. it is. Right. It is. Right. Coffee is for closers. Right. Hustler telling yeah. these salespeople that – your job is to make say whatever you have to say to get them signed in the line, which is dotted. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Yep. And lie, cheat, steal, get them drunk, promise them the moon, emotionally blackmail them. Yeah. And the whole Trump thing was, you know, find out if they have family, find out if they have friends, find out sort of their emotional hotspots, the buttons mm-hmm. you can push to get them mm-hmm. to sign on the dotted line. Yep. And yep. I think we we just need to do more of that, Blue. I think we just need to find, you know, a touching story. We've we've tried kittens. It worked. I genuinely love our listeners. I do too. So much. I do too. I'm <laughs> and I've told other podcasters, I mean, I did a podcast for remember I did that podcasting about podcasting podcast. Yes, I do. About three months ago. Uh-huh. And and this guy couldn't believe that I didn't give a shit about money. He was just like, don't you understand? All of my listeners are trying to get rich doing right. this. That's why they're doing right. it. It has nothing to do with uh, communication with your audience. It doesn't have to do with making connections or trying to give any education out there. If that all happens, that's fine. But the number one bottom line is make money. You can get by. You want to please advertisers. You want to get sponsors. And you want to make money. And I said, we have no sponsors. We don't do any advertising on our show at all. Well, I would never want to do that because then my husband can't say fuck. Well, you swear on your show. You know, that turns off advertising. Yes, it does. <laughs> and, it- and I said, you know, and I am Elliot walking out of that diner, right? Mm-hmm. When he's when he's exposed the child pornographer. Yep. And been offered a bribe finally, you know, to not turn, don't turn me in. <laughs> I don't give a shit about money. That makes him the most powerful person in America. And that was the appeal of Trump for a long time. Right. What? Yeah. was, I don't care about, you know, I don't need, I don't need super PAC money. That was what people liked about Now him. that that's no longer a useful lie to tell. Well, and clearly, I mean, this may we keep saying this will be the downfall of Trump, oh. and then we find out nobody gives a shit about anything anymore in in Trump world. But um, I would I would think that some people might think this is kind of bad that he tried to screw disabled people and people who were affected by the recession out of their money. You just saying. You would think so. I'm waiting uh-huh. for Hillary Clinton to start interviewing waitresses and hotel maids. And yeah, other employees people. at the casinos where he declared bankruptcy and he came out looking like, you know, everything was fine and still still being Trump. And they lost everything because he just declared bankruptcy. Well, that's because they didn't understand the business he was in. Uh-huh. They uh-huh. thought he was in the hotel business or the casino yeah. business. No, we're in the making money for Donald Trump business. Yep, yep, yep. And yep. – uh, and at the other end of the spectrum, you know, the, this whole we don't give a shit about money, which is not true, by the way. We <laughs> give a lot of shit about money. But we like to earn a living and we don't <laughs> want to feel like we're pressuring anyone 
to do anything. No, well, and that's the point. And you, you and I have said this. If you can't afford to buy a latte for yourself this month, if that's how tight money is for you, and believe me, we've been there. Yeah. You know, we're, that's part part of it is we've been there ourselves. And we're, so, we're still there. Yeah. Well, we're, yeah, we we're both working part time and we're we're underemployed and it's uh, it's not always easy. Right. But we do uh, understand, though. We really do understand. Yeah. yeah. And, but at the other end of the spectrum, uh, you know, the, the what the hell's wrong with you? Why do you say fuck? You're scaring the advertisers away. You heard today yeah. that the Tribune changed its name. <laughs> I did. To Trunk. Trunk. T-R-O-N-C. <laughs> And it's yeah. it's coming and it's you know this this really kind of sketchy mid seventies early eighties graphic, yeah, with a I rainbow think. of colors and circuitry uh, embedded into the image. Uh, but the the memo apparently that was sent out by the CEO is that the Tribune is now a content curation and monetization engine. Yeah, it's somewhere sure it is. somewhere Mike Royko is digging his way out of his crypt. To beat yep. the crap out of the people who've turned journalism into this shit. Yeah, but, that's how, yep. but uh, that's how they view themselves. They don't view themselves as a, as a journalistic enterprise, as a newspaper. They are a content curation and monetization engine. Mm-hmm. That's, and that is how mm-hmm. they will uh, treat their employees. That's how they will treat their customers. Um, it, it definitely affects how you talk, the stories you write, the stories you don't write, and so Yeah. So and and Ellen Gray, who is at the Philadelphia Daily News and Inquirer, said that if she had a pet dinosaur, she'd name it Tronk, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and when you are trying to um, put frosting on shit, when, when you are when you are very aware of what your advertisers will and will not put up with. Yeah, um, yeah. it affects you. Yeah. Uh, when you are aware that if you step out of line, you will never work in this industry again. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you start telling really uncomfortable truths about people who are way up in the executive suites. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to end yeah. up living under a bridge, feeding your family on squirrels exactly. you hunted with rocks. Exactly. Um, and, and, and there's another tweet about Trunk that I, that fits right into that. If you don't walk upstairs and start talking about big data and virtual reality, but instead are talking about no data and actual reality, yeah. you're out on the street. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So understand. Yeah. And we learned that from Phil Griffin this we week, didn't absolutely we? Absolutely did. Who is yeah. really upfront about the fact that we don't give a shit about liberals. Yeah. We give a yeah. shit about audience share and ratings and eyeballs. And And by the way, Joe Scarborough's relationship with Donald Trump is evolving. It's evolving. It's evolving. <laughs> and again, the the there is virtue to these institutions. When it comes to weather and plane crashes, they are exemplary. Yes. They're really and, good. And school shootings. And school shootings. They are, they are oh. absolutely spot on when it comes to those things. Yep. But when it yep. comes to reporting about actual Politics, politics, what's going yeah. on in the culture. They are not at all interested in telling you the truth. They're interested in telling yeah. you, and they're interested in reinforcing a narrative that protects them, keeps them insulated from the mobs that are going to yeah. be sweeping through the streets looking for someone to blame, and mm-hmm. making money. They are, they understand Donald Trump because they're in the same business as Donald Trump, which is telling yeah. people what they want to hear in order to keep them from changing the channel. And, and the point, the points that matter are ad buys, ratings, and job changes. Yep. 
and it's middle school because all those things affect their friends and their fellow employees. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're going to create a narrative that feeds those three things. Ad buys, job changes. <laughs> it's so sad. It is. And it, it is. Job ch ad buys, job changes, and uh, ratings. That's, That's it. it. That's it. Yeah. And yep. I, I don't feel bad about it. This is sort of yeah. watching this old industry die is yeah. kind of um, a privileged position to be in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am really concerned about we'll replace it but i do remember uh, uh let me let me just say i was at a lecture that um jesus this must have been five six years ago uh mm -hmm. the beachwood reporter one yeah, of the right. chicago guys i really like and i follow was there as and well you, i was there too yeah yeah, yeah. And, he, and he was saying look the rise of the modern corporate news corporation mm -hmm. is a relatively modern phenomena mm -hmm. yeah. it used to be yeah. You move to a sound town, set up your own newspaper. You either are pro business or pro labor. You're a yellow journalist. You pay, you know, people like Mark Twain to make shit up. It was a down and dirty business, yep. and it was it was his girl Friday. Mm -hmm. You know, it was you were just this side of the of breaking the law all the time. You had lawyers on staff to bail your ass out of jail. It was a dangerous profession, but you know what? You did some good, and then yep. came the corporations. And everyone yeah. wore suits, and we all did a very, very good living. But that, those days are over. Yeah. And yeah. the corporations that once sort of curated our culture and told us what we were going to talk about this week are now hanging on to that privilege for dear life. Yeah. And this is what it looks like when an industry is dying. Not yeah. journalism. Journalism will always be necessary. Not honest reportage. Not true cultural commentary or debate. But the corporate control of a vital portion of our democracy is falling apart. Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of interesting to watch. And it's especially interesting when you're on the outside and you can see what's happening. It's like watching a fucking ant farm. I can see <laughs> you doing that. I can see what you're doing. They don't yeah. care because they're inside the ant farm. But um, where it will lead, I don't know. But this week has just been weird. Yeah, um, yeah. Tomorrow I'm going to something called a Dan and Phil concert, <laughs> uh, which would be very exciting. Uh, Middle Child is a big Instagram YouTube consumer, uh -huh. and uh, there is this British. Uh, I'm going to call them a couple. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if people who who are fans of theirs would call them a couple. They don't ship them. Honey. Uh, they don't ship. You you ship them, I guess, is what you do. You, is you imagine them as being a couple, and that's they're not, called They're ship. not a couple. They're not. They're not a couple. They're just friends <clears throat> right. who draw cat whiskers on each other's faces. Yes. And and do glitter crafts on YouTube together. And they right? are the King Kongs of tween uh, YouTube. YouTube yeah. entertainment. Yeah. And what, you know, as you have said to me, because you've observed them on YouTube and said... <laughs> There is no gay subtext here. It's all it's all text. Yeah. It's all text. Yeah. But they present themselves in such a sexless way. Yeah. They're children, you know, and they're being silly and they're making chocolates and glitter stars and cat whiskers and have baby pictures of themselves they show off. And everything is kept very um, Betty Boop cartoonish. You yeah. know, yes, there's a sexual element there, but you wouldn't talk about it because it's a cartoon, right? Yeah. And everything they do is sort of a cartoon. And so Middle Child uh, ships them <laughs> 
in such a way that for her birthday, uh, stepdad takes her to St. Louis and she gets to see on stage. She's not she she her birthday doesn't warrant the warrant the backstage pass. That's way too expensive. But a ticket in the middle of the hall. Yeah. You know. 20 rows back yeah sure. we can swing we can and but yeah. this is this is a very um this is this is the last week of school yep. um so there's all, a lot of logistics school? going on people going oh, to things yeah. going to yeah. parties coming from parties doctors uh, appointments sleepovers <laughs> dentist appointments yeah. um you know touching base with your crew one last time so Definitely. uh Definitely. we have been yeah. driving around and uh moving people from place to place yeah. in a very yeah. end of the year close out kind of way very normal Life, but very busy. It's been a very, very busy week. And, you know, into this very busy, normal family week, you have these turds dropping. This sort of like, <laughs> oh, and by the way, Paul Ryan has given up completely and has capitulated. Oh, and by the way. So it's 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 odd. It's not dissonant, but it's like listening to two entirely different radio stations at the same time. Shorter class. These these kids keep him grounded. <laughs> they do. Um, all of us, and I know when we hear from our listeners that all of us have lives that involve uh, sick relatives, uh, people passing on, great, losing parents, losing uh, family members, um, losing jobs or getting jobs. And there's, there are just things that happen in the day to day that doesn't involve Reince Priebus or, you know, the <laughs> whatever, whatever is happening on C-SPAN right now. Uh, mm-hmm. But underneath all of that is a um, concern and a uh, passion for making sure that this country lives up to its ideals because our day-to-day life and the lives of our children depend on that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's why we're here and that's why we're doing what we're doing. And, and we appreciate you guys really um, supporting us in our work and uh, being in touch with us. Your communication and hearing from you is really uh, means a lot to us. Each week we post to our Facebook page and website an Internet Kitty sent in by you, the listeners. This week's Internet Kitty is very special. This is my sister's kitty, Darby. And uh, many of you know that my sister is facing cancer. And uh, I I don't want to get too much into the details of what's going on with her. Let me just say she is um, she's dealing with it a uh, day at a time. Mm-hmm. So it is a one day at a excuse me. It is a one day at a time cancer. And we are taking it one day at a time. And Darby is her cat. Darby uh, and our cat, Barack Hussein, the Kenyan usurper, are engaged in a long-distance weight gain challenge. (laughs) Right now, Darby is ahead of uh, Barack Hussein. Uh, Darby weighs 18 pounds and Barack weighs 15 pounds. We'll see. Uh, I don't know when the last weigh-in is, but uh, they are – we are – comparing notes on a regular basis as to the weight gain of each cat and my sister uh her motto in life has always been a fat cat is a happy cat (laughs) so Mm -hmm. we will keep that in mind and please go visit darby at our facebook page and website you can send your internet kitty to us at our email address proleftpodcast at gmail.com where you can also write to both of us Feel free to write us. We love hearing from you. Be aware that if you write us at any of our addresses, we reserve the right to read your email or U.S. Postal Service. Go Postal Unions! Letter on the air unless you say otherwise. Don't forget our gourmet coffee guideline. If you can afford to buy an espresso-based beverage for yourself, 
buy one for us. And don't forget our Amazon link at our website. We believe in buying local. And we also believe in shopping Amazon with our link if your alternative is a big box store. I want to send a special thank you to the person that bought medical textbooks using our link. Boy, oh boy, was that a windfall oh, for us. Man. <laughs> Someone brought, bought a textbook on ultrasound technology, for obviously for a medical school class, and that textbook was like $260. And we got, um, on, that, on textbooks that month, I think we got 7% of that money yeah so baby that buys it that buys dinner out for the two of us so thank you very much we deeply appreciate it approximately one percent of our listeners and that's really it one percent people those people out there in 125 dollar trump land who think that out of 11.5 million people you're going to get eight million dollars eight million people to donate here's the deal one percent of your listeners and readers of people who follow you uh-huh. One percent of people who follow you will do what you, you've asked them to do. Okay, approximately one percent of our listeners support this podcast with a contribution. You can too. See our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, for details. Both our PayPal and postal address information is there at professionalleft.blogspot.com. Please rate our show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, and thank you for doing that. Hey, Drift Glass, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? You know, Blue Gal, the Internet Kitties really hope that libertarian stripper guy finds a good home. Let's think about living. Think about living. Let's think about loving. Think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the popping and the lovey, lovey, dovey. Let's forget about the wine and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow with the switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. The Professional Love Podcast under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2016, Drift Glass, Blue Gal Podcast. Minecraft is awesome. Now it's time for Science Fiction University with our science fiction expert, Drift Glass. Science Fiction University, Drift Glass, we have one more story to read. One to go. On the pictures, yes. And after we read this one and discuss it, we'll be talking about our new prompts. For the next round of stories. Whatever shall they be, Blue Cow. They're going to be fun and easy. And okay. I think science fictioning. <laughs> so and that'll it's be summer. Good. It's summer, damn it. So yeah. we're going to take it easy on you. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So this one is from, well, he says the author is Mythanthrop... I can't even say it. Mythanthropicity. Misanthropicity. Okay. And this author used the picture of the man sitting at the device with the musical notes going around his head. Yes, yes. All right. And the name of this story is Memory Management. He constrained, he or she constrained their work to 600 words rather than four discrete paragraphs. Um, and we are going to cut out a little bit of it. There is a segment in the middle, I'll tell you, that is uh, technical writing. And mm-hmm. we're going to take that out, and I'll tell you where that is in the story. All right. Uh-huh. Shinoda finalized his selections and authorized Marina to release the files to the assistance of the three archivists seated, seated before him. Immediately, the familiar gray gloss filled the pupils of each archivist as they immersed to view the summary of changes within their ocular environments. Marina pulsed within interleaving with his thoughts. Sir, 
Three urgent requests pend your review. Numerous lesser issues remain. Your reintegration timeline is in jeopardy. Silently, he stared down upon the Washington Monument and idly wondered, how many times has that capstone been replaced? A summary of the monument's maintenance history fluttered in his peripheral vision, the number three, steadily highlighted at the top. A caveat attempted to assert some clarification about the report, but Shinodam dismissed it along with the summary and returned to surveying the mall below. Sir, the archivist requests the following modifications to your selections as follows. And then there's a section that is quite technical about the different kinds of uh, changing of the archives of history via either computer or some other device. That's, that's uh -huh. rather long. We're, gonna, we're not going to read that part. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, he, and so he agrees to the changes and the computer returns. Sir, selections confirmed, all modifications adjudicated, ready to proceed, sir. Silently, Shinoda turned and nodded at each archivist in succession. As he walked around the bridge port, his hand lightly skirted the keep-out covers of the three neurals pools. Slowly, he lowered himself into the chair and focused upon the golden weave of the spools, each with an opalescent white receiving bobbin floating just behind. Marina, authorization to proceed with full archival procedures in effect. Scheduled to integrate with restoration of current baseline in two weeks. With that complete, he relaxed into the suspension chair and visualized as much as felt as the connections were made into his cradle. He watched as the neural spindles began to slowly turn before him, draining him of himself. A pattern of circles hit, lit in a lovely pattern on the table before him. The shell watched as the gold ribbons drifted into their new homes. After a while, he smiled at the three men as they retrieved the golden white things and watched as they left. And Marina observed again as the shell began to hum a song from a childhood he could, mostly, no longer remember. All right. Let's do a little recall on this story, Drift Glass. Sure. Um, we know that this is Earth, or at least an Earth-like image, because uh, the Washington Monument is a detail, and the uh -huh. history of that uh, monument is in play here and is available to our uh -huh. character. Right. Uh, we know that we assume that he is human. Uh, I think we can assume that it does. This does feel very much like Minority Report in a lot of ways, with three people sort of in a recovery pod of some sort, where they are being used as uh, their brains are being used in some sort of mechanical way to accomplish a task. Uh huh. Uh, and there are three of them, and uh, the the part where he sees the details about the. Washington Monument, and then moves that aside, whether that's in his eyeball or on a screen in front of him, he's able to put that aside. Uh, that's also kind of minority report-ish, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So. This, um, <clears throat> this would be one of those cases mm -hmm. where if I were an editor, mm -hmm. I would not continue reading the story. Oh, okay. Um, I, uh, because you have one page to engage me. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have one page to get my attention. 
And I sense there's a really interesting story about to happen in the second page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's great. I think the story begins in the last two paragraphs. And you've had that happen to you before in writing oh, God, writing yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. classes, right? Where I've the had professors stri- ripped off the first three pages of what you wrote said, and said, "said this is this is great. You really love this, don't you? Really? <laughs> yes, it's so precious to me. It's my baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's awful. Uh, not that the writing's bad. It's just that." It's way too precious and way too, you know, you're writing for your own sake. There's no story going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it, in in that sense, it, this feels like someone taking a running start at a story, mm-hmm. which is great. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, but it, the first portion of it reads like a tech manual mm-hmm. overwritten to be like very fussy and precious in its language. Mm-hmm. And nobody likes reading tech manuals. <laughs> nobody yeah. likes reading the part that manuals. we the part that we eliminated from the reading is a tech manual, essentially. Yeah, yeah. and um, you can get away with that about ten pages from now. Mm-hmm. But you cannot start a story off with characters whose physical attributes I can't see several of them all at once, and then dump me into a long technical explanation of gadgets that I don't understand doing things I don't understand. Uh, speaking as someone who has a pile of rejection letters uh, as tall as me and has had lots of um, suggestions that involved getting rid of first pages or reorganizing it, uh, I think there's a story here. I just think it starts with the person. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not remembering a childhood song or sort of remembering or mm-hmm. there's something about the history and past or whatever that has been blotted out <clears throat> or rewritten or is being misremembered that's much more evocative than um, a long technical description of the devices and how they're used and how they're performing at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you can keep the rest of that language. You can move it around. You can move it to the third or fourth page. You can put it as an addenda. But uh, it's death, I tell you, death uh, to start a story off with first you must read this manual. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't work that way. Um, mm-hmm. But as at first draft, if you're getting your thoughts together, that's fine. If you need, yeah. if you need to yeah. lay the tools out on the table and see what you're working with. Um, I'm thinking of Dune almost. Dune has a uh, um, compendium, a concordance of words a glossary of words in the back. <laughs> it just uses them in conversation. And they're odd and they, they, they're striking, but you never get an entire paragraph of unfamiliar language. You get individual words woven into the story. So what we need here is, is your character to be doing something that we understand and that matters, that's important. That is that is evoking in him or her, because the question is, <clears throat> why are we in this moment particularly? Mm-hmm. Um, why? What is it? What is it? What is important about this moment to your character? So important that, uh, as the saying goes, the, a short story is the last chapter of the novel you didn't write. Yes, right, right. So, well, and and we mentioned Minority Report, yeah. which is Philip K. Dick. Yeah, and it's just a short story. And it's a short story, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking a lot about how much uh, this story is about, and and I'm you know I'm almost sorry we didn't read the parts about the manual because it is about 
adding or removing supporting data and how you're able to manipulate the story and the memories and the history of whatever is happening. And and this man or this character Mm -hmm. is in charge of that in at least some small portion. So he's in charge of archivists, three archivists who have the power to manipulate uh, bits of data about memory. Right. And that's very Philip K. Dick. (laughs) Very, very Philip K. Dick. It's it's also, I I would recommend renting Minority, uh, not Minority Report. Of course, Minority Report. It's a fine movie, but I'm thinking Memento. Yeah, right. Someone who is a a character who is on a quest, Mm -hmm. very clearly on a quest. You don't have to write your story backwards, by the way. That's, That's a... It's a lovely, uh, it's a lovely um, device, but you don't have to do that. But um, someone whose memory has been damaged, and who is on a quest to for revenge, he must ah, avenge yeah. his dead wife. And yep. he he has been editing, and because he can't form new memories, he has a giant file of stuff he needs to remember, and tattoos all over his body of important information. Because every few minutes, his entire memory is wiped out. Mm-hmm. And it's just start mm-hmm. all over again every single, you know, every few days, every few minutes or hours. And there's a really poignant scene where the woman he is with tells him, he walks around the room mm-hmm. gathering pencils and tells him what she's going to do to him. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just spits in his face and calls him an asshole and just and just reams him out, treats him like shit and tells him, now I'm going to go wait outside until you know, for a few minutes and come back in and you'll never know this happened. Mm-hmm. And he starts pawing around for a pencil to write it down. Cause if he doesn't write it down, he'll never remember it. Yeah. And, that he can't trust her. Right. Right. Oh, and what we find he and other people have been doing, they have been editing his files and his mm-hmm. memories to suit themselves. Right. Right. Um, and that there's, so there's, don't, don't give away the ending. Cause no, some no, people not, probably haven't read that. Absolutely not going to do that, but, but it's a wonderful, uh, uh tragic story but the stakes are really high mm-hmm. memory of the protagonist is is faulty and he keeps editing and other people keep editing what he thinks to be true to mm-hmm. accomplish ends that are not um noble i should say well and as you as you're talking i'm realizing that now that this uh technical writing in here was necessary to the author to get how that's the plot works right. and what it is. The author needs to understand how the machine specifically works, but the reader doesn't. Exactly. And so the reader just needs to know these three archivists have the power to change data. And here is how, and, and instead of detailing each piece of data and how the, the archivists request permission to do that, simply tell the right, tell the audience in a sentence, here's how this works. Mm-hmm. But start with, and I, I agree with you. Start with, you know, Marina or or Nico, um, Shinoda, mm-hmm. whichever character you're going to use to forget the song, goes to work, and in the back of his mind, her mind, there's a song from childhood that he mostly can no longer remember. Mm-hmm. And then he comes to work. And and you've you've planted the seed of uh oh something's going on with memory uh-huh. that he can't remember his favorite song from childhood. What's going on with memory? Why is that a problem? And then you you introduce the reader to 
there's this machine that messes with everyone's memory and messes with history and messes with people's recollection of things. Mm -hmm. And he's in charge of it. Now, how was he manipulated? Now you're off to the races because you've set it all up. He's a human being. He has has had a childhood. He has a song. All of that humanizes him and makes him interesting to the reader. And then you take him to work and something's going on. And what is it? And how does that unfold? And, and because... And it, Oh, because we know that you're going to finish this story. Yeah. Um, may I right. also suggest you have you have you have a situation where there's at least five characters interacting. Uh huh. Um, three we don't know of, and two we do. Two of them have names. Uh huh. The conversations between them, the um, trade craft, not this sort of clipped reportage of you know reading off of what's happening on the machine, but mm-hmm. the cop talk. The yeah. lawyer talk, the over the cup of coffee talk mm-hmm. of, you know, this is the one thing that uh, Quentin Tarantino is really good at. Right. What the hell do hitmen talk about when they're not <laughs> killing people? <laughs> they're talking about Royale, Royale with cheese. cheese. <laughs> and, and there's there's this wonderful opportunity right here to have your characters. And, you know, again, it's only two pages. So this could be, you know. I'm not telling you anything about this, what you submitted. I'm telling you that there's an arc here that you could pursue that could be very interesting where they talk among themselves. In the mm-hmm. Minority Report, they disagree with each other. There is an inherent tension between you know, how they want to take this technology and what they want to do with it and is it efficacious or not. And the cop talk, the lawyer talk, the, 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 um, just the way they – their private language, their private um, jargon can be so revealing yeah. about who they are, how much power they exercise. Um, the, the, another, another one to check out, I'm recommending a lot of movies here. Um, um, uh, high Fidelity. Yep, yep. A bunch of nerds sitting around a record shop is boring, but they're all total experts on their one weird subject matter. And the way mm-hmm. they interact with each mm-hmm. other, they don't like each other necessarily. No. But, no, they, they but the competition between them each other is interesting. And there's no one else yeah. to talk to yeah. because nobody understands yeah. them like they do. So they, yeah. they're drawn together. So you have this subset of specialists who, by uh, process of elimination, end up together. And so there's a lot you could do here. Uh, but I really would just, again, from bitter experience, I would take it um, a, a sound, a smell, a sight. Mm-hmm. Uh, something mm-hmm. evocative or tragic or unusual is it, uh, your character has buzzing around in their head as they go to work is a great place to start. And you know, Driftglass, that song that he rem- he almost remembers from childhood. Everybody says it's by Green Day. Yeah, but it's I, not. No, it's Kraftwerk. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Misanthropicity, for oh, that was the best ever. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed, Nailed it. it. Thank you very much for sending in your story. Yeah. And. Uh, so now we have a new prompt for everybody, and uh, it is going to be very simple because it's June. I like simple. I'm just, yeah, I'm just going to give everyone two simple writing prompts, and you can go for it. Uh, write whatever you want based on these two prompts. The first writing prompt is wedding in space because it's June, right? So wedding in space, number one. Write it out, however you want it to look. Number two is summer vacation in space. 
I'm sensing a theme start, here. Yeah. Start your story, four paragraphs. That's what we want, four paragraphs, so we can read it within our time frame. Uh, please put in the subject line of your story when you email it to us, June submission. Yeah. Those two words, June submission. Paste your story into the email. Don't attach it. Don't try to Skype it. Don't try to Tumblr it. Just paste it into an email and email it to us. Uh, Blue Gal, I found a new collaboration tool called Basecamp. Yeah. <laughs> could we maybe, uh, I send it along, you could download that app and I could send it along. No. Could you join my Slack and come on over to my Slack page? No. And, yeah, no. I, I put my story on LinkedIn. I hope that's okay. <laughs> Nobody's you have to download my app before you can read my story. No. No, no. We say loudly no. No. Paste it into an email. Send it to us at proleftpodcast at gmail.com. Subject line, June submission. Read your story out loud to yourself before you send it. At the very least, you can read it out loud to someone else, too. Strangers but read are, it out loud strangers to are yourself. Best. Strangers are best, yeah. especially if you're an elevator. You know, you can just sort of... Stop somebody on the street and start reading your story to them. Uh, make sure it's science fiction. Yes. That's why we say in space. Yeah. Uh, it pretty much will be science fiction, I think, this time. I don't think we'll have problems because we have the words in space in there. Want to bet? All right. <laughs> the challenge would be to write one that isn't science fiction, right? Yeah. But please make it science fiction because this is Science Fiction University. For now. And uh, four paragraphs, June submission. Send it to proleftpodcast at gmail.com. We will start reading these uh, as soon as we start getting them. Uh, if we get some this week, we'll send them. We'll start reading them. But um, if not, we'll do a quiz next week. And you have a deadline of June, just a minute, 16th. Yep. June 15th, excuse me, Wednesday, June 15th at midnight, and or I could say June 16th at 12.01 a.m. Right. That'll make it easy for people, right? Right. So that's your deadline. Have it to us by then, uh -huh. and then uh, we'll start reading these and uh, have a really fun time doing it, I'm sure. Because in July, uh, this is a, I, I'm not sure if you want to announce this, but... Um, uh, Science Fiction University becomes a, an affiliate of Trump University. <laughs> and so it'll cost you between sixteen and $35,000. But you know what? You know what? It takes money to make money, people. You know, maybe the problem you is... You want to be a professional writer? But you could be a professional writer. And, <laughs> and maybe the problem is you don't want to succeed enough to invest in yourself. Maybe that's the problem. But until then... <laughs> We want to give people a month to to uh, increase the level on their credit card, right? right. We, you got to go out and find a, a disabled relative uh, special <laughs> who will give you their disability check to make your dreams come true. All right. <laughs> but until then, it's still free. It's still Science Fiction University, unaffiliated with Trump University so far. Oh, that's excellent. All right. Thank you, everybody. Love you very much. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week and see you then at Science Fiction University. Yay! Yay. I love your class. Love you, baby. Bye. Bye.